Your Excellency, Tarnished Ministers, Distinguished Guests, His Excellency, the President of Ireland, Michael D. Higgins. Vostra Eccellenza, Presidente Mattarella, Your Excellency, President Mattarella, Ms. Laura Mattarella, Foreign Minister Alfano, Distinguished Guests of Court. È un gran piacere per me e mia moglie Sabina ricevere chi insieme a sua figlia Laura siete i benvenuti nella nostra casa. E sboron che ho visto bene stamattina che la sai bene, perché in folgere roba ultra a materella, a che sredde in in, a che se contoscro figlio che toi castella per te cut stoit quig neheren. Sabine and I have the distinct honour and pleasure to welcome you, President Mattarella, your daughter, and your esteemed delegation to Ireland. Tafirkin Fortschirovarfad, you are almost welcome. Bienvenuti. Isokoti Arninera Nakun Kaluri Yanov, Erin Virkotrasakas Mordas at the Ann Lafata in law, Idragoti, Ragazeta Muntan Hidalia, Gas Muntan Heron. Tasha Trahul Peter. Gor lo elia ne Valentina will meet the bull of the kale. I dalak morlero on trio ishe the an, agas will an elect and grarman shulo in ilie. Tone Valentinic fimo fos mar inspiroid, agas catalis beder, the firus mana oga, agas he shoot at on his shinya come on. Kegor Maria Valentin saro vado hin. To acknowledge the Yenemalia clear, Le Bjognagaki at Blinanus. This is a wonderful opportunity to celebrate the many close bonds that Ireland and Italy share, both in our bilateral relations and as members of our common home, the European Union. I recall the greatest warmth, President, our meeting in Rome in 2015. And more recently, Sabine and I had the pleasure of visiting Venice in 2017 for the Biennale. But we have enjoyed all our visits to Italy. Your Excellency, our two countries are old friends with historic and cultural links stretching back so many centuries, and indeed a long, long predating our emergence as nation states. Among our most important, very early contacts, was the founding of a monastery in Bobbio by the Irish monk St. Columbanus in the 7th century, when Irish monks brought Christianity and learning to so much of Europe. Then to the church of San Pietro in Montorio, in Rome, houses the remains of the Irish earls Hugh O'Neill and Rory O'Donnell, who fled Ireland in 1607 following their defeat at the Battle of Kinsale. Their departure with their families, and Teher, as we call it, marked what historians call the end of the Gaelic order in Ireland and the friendship and generosity shown by Italy to Ireland, to them and so many later, is well remembered and appreciated to this day. In more recent times, the Irish writer James Joyce lived in Trieste between the years 1904 and 1920. And I have to say that even if he did have one bad night in Rome, this beautiful environment provided the inspiration for the major part of his most famous work, Ulysses, as well as a portrait of the artist as a young man. What could be more European than an Irish writer inspired by Greek mythology, 
based in an Italian seaport and heavily influenced by Latin, Slavic and Germanic culture. I have to say I'm very glad to welcome tonight here as well the translator of Ulysses into Italian, uh, Professor Enrico Taranone. These personal connections between Italian and Irish men and women continue to this day in all sorts of ways. Thousands of Irish tourists travel every year to enjoy the many joys Italy offers, including art and architecture, history, opera, food and drink, landscapes, as well as perhaps most important of all, the extraordinary hospitality of its people. There is traffic in the other direction too. Italians come to Ireland in increasing numbers. They are finding employment here, making their home here, also many of them. And we also welcome Italian language students who come here to improve their English. Last year, 32,000 Italian students added life and colour to our towns and cities. Altogether, we welcomed 340,000 Italian visitors to our shores last year. And in the same year, over 400,000 Irish people travelled to Italy. On the wider international stage, Ireland and Italy have a very long tradition of working well together. They have broadly similar approaches to very many of the challenges confronting us. We cooperate successfully in many fora, including the United Nations. We warmly congratulate you, President, on the constructive role Italy has played on the Security Council last year. And we look forward, of course, to emulating this success if elected for the period 2021 to 2022. An important footnote. <clears throat> Excellency, you are visiting us at a crucial time in the political life of your country as you prepare for elections early next month, and we will follow proceedings with great interest. But this is also a crucial time for the European Union. Italy is, of course, central to the history of the European Union. It played a visionary part in forging a better future for all Europeans following the Second World War. One of the most morally compelling visions of European internationalism, I believe, emerged from the Italian resistance movement in that remarkable manifesto composed in the year 1941 on the island of Entertaine by Altiero Spinelli, a member of the Italian Communist Party, and Ignacio Rossi, one of the founders of the anti-fascist Giustizia e Libertà. The manifesto of Entertaine with its emphasis on the people's economy, the shared prospect of humanity, offered a remarkable vision of the cooperation of European states dedicated to disarming the worst passions of European nationalisms. <clears throat> it asserted that such a coming together could only be achieved and would only be preserved if it was capable of continuing, as it put it, the historical process of the struggle against social inequalities and privileges, and of recognizing that economic forces must dominate man, but rather as the forces of nature that must be subject to man, guided and controlled by him in the most rational way, so that the broader strata of the population will not become their victims. The gender usage in that quote was of the time. I'm pleased to say we would be saying men and women now, or women and men more usually in my own speeches. These demands were ambitious and required a fundamental shift in thinking to deliver the attainment of those social goals necessary for the cohesion of any society. The provision of, 
as they put it, food, food, lodging, clothing, and that minimum of comfort needed to preserve a sense of human dignity. The world order that had so dramatically failed Europe and Europeans needed to change, they felt. And today we must ask ourselves whether the world order we have created has succeeded in securing the social cohesion necessary for our citizens to live in dignity and to flourish. Or whether we too need a shift in thinking to realise the vision of such people as Spinelli and Rossi. Today Europe is experiencing instability on many fronts. The United Kingdom's decision to leave the European Union and the lack of clarity about its relationship with the Union after March 2019 has potentially great consequences for this island. In Ireland, we greatly appreciate the solidarity Italy has shown for our concerns, including our determination that there can be no return to a hard border in Ireland. We also, as Europeans, appreciate your seminal work last year in crafting the Rome Declaration, which was an important moment in European history, when European Union leaders rededicated themselves to the founding principles of the Treaty of Rome of 1957. European Union leaders pledged to listen and respond to the concerns expressed by citizens. Ireland firmly believes that the needs of citizens have to take centre stage in any debate on the future of Europe. And achieving social cohesion must be a priority in our efforts to reconnect governments, parliaments and the institutions of the European Union with European citizens. For we must all be concerned that large swathes of Europeans, most notably young Europeans, remain with little hope of employment or of meaningful education or training. That despondent underclass, disconnected from national or European government or politics, provides a dangerous resource for those willing to exploit the disillusioned by promising salvation through simplistic, populist, and often xenophobic nationalisms. Excellency, in recent years, Italy has been coping with magnificent with <clears throat> it has been coping with magnificent humanity, with a significant influence of migrants from sub-Saharan Africa, the Middle East and further afield. I want to commend the Italian people for their generosity and humanitarianism in the face of this challenge. We in Ireland may be geographically distant from the main migration routes, but we work closely with Italy in the Mediterranean, and together we have helped to save the lives and dignity of thousands of vulnerable migrants who risk their lives at sea at the hands of ruthless people traffickers. We do this because of our shared humanity and to show solidarity with member states experiencing hardships and in recognition of the importance of European Union solidarity and burden sharing. Your Excellency, may I now invite you all, Ina Uschler, distinguished guests, to stand and join me in a toast. To the good health of the President of the Italian Republic, Sergio Mattarelli, to the happiness and prosperity of the people of Italy, and to the continuing friendship and affection between our two peoples, Salute, Sloidjoa.